dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. All of us in our life will know betrayal. All of us in life will know disappointments by friends. The question is, what will we do with that? How can we, engaging great things, cope with this strike to the heart of being betrayed? Today, looking at the Gospel of St. Mark, we'll see what God has to say and how we can move forward. Hi, everybody. I'd like to speak with you about something that's difficult to, to address, but so important. And I'd, I'd like just to lament for a second with you all that, you know, it's hard for us to really live our Catholic faith in full depth when we don't hear the truths of sacred scripture really being given to us on a regular basis. Most of us, we go to Mass on Sundays. Your priest is allowed to give about a seven-minute homily. And I say allowed, meaning he can give as much as he wants, but the crowd is used to about seven minutes. And frankly, a lot of you sitting there, when you, you listen to a priest talk, you end up tuning out, zoning out. Your body language is one where you're not acting like you even want to listen. And it's really hard as a priest to speak to a group of people who act like they'd rather that he be quiet than, than actually be speaking. So the easiest thing for the priest to do then is to simply not talk. Well, what happens is that we end up going down a slippery slope here of the silence begetting resentment, which begets silence, which begets resentment. And we end up going through 30, 40 years of Catholic Mass without ever talking about the most essential things. I want to talk to you today about one of those essential things. And that's the betrayal that our Lord went through. And the reality of that betrayal. And how we, in our efforts to dare great things for Christ, have to deal with the same betrayal. What do we do? Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor. Illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. Mark, pray for us. Okay, so let's take a look here at this key moment in the life of our Lord. Mark chapter 14. And we saw already that in Mark chapter 14, 20, Jesus talks about the betrayal. He says, one of you who is eating with me will betray me. 
They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for him than that man if he had never been born. All right, so we, we know there's a lot to say about this betrayal. I think the most important thing to say is that it actually happened. <laughs> it actually happened. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made himself vulnerable to his friends and that his friends betrayed him. And that means that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, knew that he would be betrayed when he called those friends. He knew everything. He knew every person. He knew all time. He is the perfection of knowledge. He's God. And in his divine knowledge, he knew that his betrayer was Judas. And yet he called him anyway. I think it's an amazing thing because sometimes, especially if you go through life and you have been hurt, you say to yourself, I will never trust again. It's kind of like that old Simon and Garfunkel song, right? You know, I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain and the island never cries, right? Because he's been hurt and so he withdraws into himself to say, never again. And sometimes when this happens, the, the upshot is of our life lived is a life that is wounded. You know, the, the, when they captured the commandant of that horrible place called Auschwitz in Poland, where so many people had been put to their death and tortured and killed, the, the commandant of Auschwitz was a former Catholic. When he was 12, he actually dreamed of being a priest. And he wanted to be a priest until he felt that his confidence had been betrayed. It, he had gotten into a, a fight at school and then went to confession. And then that night, his father approached him about the fight and, you know, uh, punished him severely. And the boy thought to himself, the only person who knew about this fight was the priest. The priest betrayed me to my dad. Now, that's not necessarily the case, okay? Because there, when you're in a fight, there's a lot of people that are involved, right? But for the 12-year-old boy, that betrayal of trust from a priest uh, constituted a moment where he said, I will never trust again. And after he did all of his terrible things, because he didn't, didn't trust, and they finally caught the person, this man, he, he put him in prison, he actually had a moment where he repented. And he wrote a letter to his wife saying, you never really knew me. Despite everything that happened, you never knew me. And I'm sorry for that. He wrote a letter to his son saying the same thing. And he admitted to them that he had stopped trusting, that there was a whole zone of his life that he was so afraid of exposing again that he preferred to keep to himself, even though it ended up meaning that he became a terrible person, one of the worst men to ever live in the face of the earth. 
And that terrible man who was one of the worst to ever, it all started with that breach of trust. And I would say it's not that. It's not just to start with the breach of trust. It started when he refused to get up again from that wound of the betrayal. If he had lived his Catholic life the way that I want you to live yours, the way that God wants you to live yours, the way that we find it in the Bible, the way that Christ Jesus gives us the example to do with betrayal, well, he would not have gone down that path. He would have tried again. I have in mind a, a, a sister who had a friendship in the convent and being a young woman and being a young sister, she was really excited that there was one other sister in particular that she just kind of clicked with. And sure enough, as is true in religious life, just in so many places in life, within two months, that other sister had been sent to the other side of the world. And this sister was very sad. And so she went, you know, to a priest and was speaking to the priest about saying this, this if this is what friendship is and you make yourself you know, open and you care about somebody and then that person gets shipped to the other side of the world or then I'm never just, I'm never going to have friends again. And she said that the priest paused, kind of thought for a little bit and then said to her, you know what? You risk a lot more by not loving again than you do by loving even if that person might leave you. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Our Lord was betrayed by one of his friends. Just think about what that means. That means, first of all, he was open to the betrayal. I mean, he allowed Judas to be his friend knowing that Judas would let him down. And he allowed Peter to be his friend knowing that Peter would let him down. And he allowed you and me to be his friend knowing that we would let him down. And I think this is amazing because sometimes there, I deal with people who feel like they've been betrayed by God. Now, this is impossible okay, to do. But it's the way we feel. And then they have the reaction to say, since God has allowed this to happen to me, I'm going to cut him off from my life. And, and it's a natural enough thing in the face of suffering to want to express the fact that we don't understand why this is happening and what exactly is going on. We want to fight back. We want to do something. So the easiest thing to do is to say, God, you've betrayed me. You've let me down. And since you've let me down, then I can't trust you anymore. Well, the only problem that I have with that, of course, is that's not what God did towards us. I mean, how many times have I let him down? And has he ever rejected me? No. And this is a sign for us about how we also should be with respect to the betrayals that can come our way in our leadership. I mean, there's, it, I almost think that leaders are people who are especially vulnerable and susceptible to betrayal because we're putting ourselves out there. The easiest way to not get anyone mad at you, the easiest way to never be a disappointment to other people, the easiest way to always win is to stay in the middle.
if you're in the average, if you stay in, in, in the herd, well, you're, there's safety in numbers. Like a group of high school students trying out for the soccer team, you know that you don't have to be the very first one as long as you're like somewhere in the 75th percentile, you know, the first quarter to get across the finish line, then you're going to be approved by the coach. So you don't push yourself all the way because there's no need to do that. All you have to do is be in that little group that's in towards the front or close even to that little group. And we adopt that same mentality throughout our life. We say to ourselves, gosh, if I really put myself out there and do a talk in front of everybody, then it's like that old adage people would say, right? They'd say, it's better to keep silence and be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt, <laughs> right? And so what do we do? We, we don't give the talk. We don't make the presentation. We don't challenge the status quo. We don't get out there and fight for what's right. I mean, if you're at a school where there's books that are in the library that you don't want there for your kids or videos that are being played and you know they're not appropriate for your kid. You, you, this is not how you want it. But do you fight? Do you say anything? Well, no, because if I do, then people are going to think things about me. What will everyone around me do? How will they react? How will they think? And so we just keep ourselves in, playing defense, right? If, if I just don't do anything positive, I won't stand out. And therefore, I won't be vulnerable, if I'm vulnerable, I could be let down. I could try to do something and find that I'm not supported. And so leaders are those who do take that step forward. Leaders are those who go into the battle. Leaders are those who say, I'm going to do this. And as soon as we do that, we accept the fact that, yeah, we might be vulnerable. I will never be let down by anybody if I don't depend on anybody. But if I lead, I depend upon so many people that I make myself vulnerable to being let down. And I just want to say, thank God for you. And you are a blessing to this world. The risk that you are taking is the risk that Jesus took when he took me on to be his friend. And because Jesus took that risk of letting me come on as his friend, I can continue to serve knowing his love. His leadership beget, begot mine. And my leadership is going to beget many others. But the condition of a leader is to become vulnerable and dependent and need the help of others. And that means, yeah, you can be betrayed. But I'm not alone. Christ was betrayed before me. Mark 14 Verse 43. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. You gotta just, before, you know, before he was even betrayed, just look at how this went down. Judas betrayed Christ royally. <laughs> right? He didn't just wound his heart by somehow or other, you know, giving him over in silence. He went to the enemies of Christ, and Christ knew that these men wanted to kill him. It's in Scripture repeatedly that they were plotting to kill him. He knew that these people, although he himself had done nothing but good for them, were betraying him 
unto death. It's not Judas alone who's the betrayer here. It's the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. They're the ones. They're going to hand Jesus over and betray him to the Romans. And the Romans are going to betray him to the soldiers. And the soldiers are going to hang him finally upon the tree. There's a whole series of betrayals that take place. He's going to be betrayed by Judas, of course. But before that, he'll be betrayed by his apostles who let him down. Simon Peter, who will deny him three times. All the apostles will flee from him. It's verse Mark 14, 50. And they all left him and fled. You see, it's not just Judas. It's Jesus looking, saying, I depend upon you apostles to be with me. Where are you? And they all flee. Judas, I'm depending upon you to be true to me. And he gets 30 pieces of silver instead. Chief priests, scribes, and elders, I'm depending upon you to be my leaders. It's amazing to think that Jesus Christ himself suffered from the betrayal of leaders. It's not just those underneath you who let you down. Sometimes and even often, it's those above you. What will you do? What did he do? He pushed on. And he gave his gift again. He gave his love again. Here is an example that he wants us to imitate. Because my friends, this world is a world of sin, of brokenness, of people who do not know how to love as they ought and who are incapable of loving as they say they wish. This broken world needs leaders, not just who can endeavor great projects and bring them to completion, but who can endeavor to heal the broken heart and to give hope again to souls. This requires a leadership of moral courage that is, that's the point of the business leadership we engage in. We're at the office every day, my friends, to practice for the deeper leadership, the leadership of character, the leadership of the heart, the leadership to go in and bring the fiber of humanity into a fallen and broken world once again. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. We know in Mark 14 that our Lord endures this greatest trial the abandonment by his friends, the betrayal of Judas, the treason of his own leaders. It's so refreshing, I think, right, to, to realize that Jesus faced his own problem of religious leaders who weren't leading well and were using their positions given to them by God for their own advancement. He did not have a life that was the dream, so to speak, for each one of us. We all expect this life to be easy, but it's not, my friends. It's a valley of tears. And we who are in this valley of tears are called into combat. And we who are trying combat, the spiritual combat, it means not quitting. It means not giving up. 
And yes, that means with respect to our missionary ideals and the projects that we need to do from, from radio shows to talks on retreats to working with kids to building tree houses in the backyard. We need to do all those things. But even more than that, those things will come from a heart that has said, where there is no love, let me bring love, and then there will be love. Where there is no God, let me bring God, and there will be God. The person who says that the brokenness of the human heart can be healed by the love of God, and I am willing to look that brokenness in the eye and to speak the word of peace, wasn't it for these people that our Lord said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God? And the, the vocation of the peacemaker is the vocation of the one who dares great things with respect to the human heart, the human condition. It doesn't allow the evil that's in front of that person, even if the evil in front of me is a heart that will betray me. I know that they might betray me, but it is better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. It is better to enter into that heart and give them the moments of grace that I can and hope that that grace will be a seed that will flower into eternal life for that person one day or next. But I know this, protecting myself from the world around me and the people around me, this is not the leadership of courage that Christ calls us to because this is not what he did. I, I'm not speaking here of being rash. I'm not speaking here of lacking correct emotional boundaries. There are wolves in this world and you need to protect yourself from them. Absolutely. But what I am saying is that the love of God is greater than all woundedness. And the love of Jesus Christ is capable of carrying within it even betrayal. That the betrayal doesn't mean it's an end. The betrayal means it's a redemption, redemptive prayer that I can now offer and give to my God in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass. I will lead in the, with moral courage the moment that I say that nothing on this earth is bigger than the love of God that neither height nor depth nor length nor any power under heaven, including the power of a broken heart, can keep the love of God from my soul and from therefore from this world. How does Christ deal with the betrayal? He lets it happen, but he holds his head high. Verse 46, they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Of course, that was Peter, we know. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against us as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But let the scripture be fulfilled. Let the scripture be fulfilled. His attitude is one of prayer, of turning to the Father, of dependence on the Father, of being able to say to the Father that no matter what happens, he stays the course. How can he do this? Except by a total reliance on God. 
My friends, in today's situation in the church, in today's situation in our families and in society, there are so many reasons for us to claim betrayal, mortal wound, and to lay on the side of life. But there is a reason bigger than those to maintain your courage and your dedication to the mission Christ has given to you. And that reason that is bigger is that Jesus Christ himself was betrayed with your betrayal and carried before you the weight that you now feel. And he is with you. And he understands your pain. Jesus is not a stranger to your life. He knows you from the very first moment you were born. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And he saw ahead of time all of the difficulties and the mortal wounds that your heart would endure. Not just the pinpricks of life, but the spearhead thrust of a friend who let you down, of a priest who let you down, of a bishop who let you down. And he said, I will suffer it with you. And you will suffer it in me. The betrayals that we go through in our leadership are not just the result of people being weak. They're a result of God who wants me to share with him his load because he was betrayed before me and he was betrayed more profoundly than I am. And he gives me strength. You are not alone in this life just to face the cruel blowings of the cold wind. You are daring great things. Listen well. Jesus is with you. Give your pains and your hurts to him. Have the courage to say of myself, I am not enough. And of myself, I would quit and become hardened and cold myself. But Jesus, I am not alone. You are with me. And I will carry this cross with you. Give me the strength to not stop. The, the face of a father is the face of one who has been hurt by his own children. The heart of a mother is the heart of one who has been stabbed by the sword of love at the hands of the very same people to whom she gave life. The heart of a leader is one who pushes forth despite betrayal and makes it a prayer for the same people whom he leads. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.